The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Thanks very much to Lucy Malazzo for the last couple of hours. Steffi Callister will be bringing you home tomorrow evening from four. Lucy's back next Monday from four as well. Welcome to the Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide Show number 258 with the latest tech news. And then we'll look at some of the news from the 2023 IFA Berlin Consumer Tech Show. But first, it's time to take a look at this week's technology news. And, well, we'll start off in Apple land because the iPhone 15 has shipped. And, yes, it's finally here. An iPhone with USB-C charging. So this means that if you have an iPhone and your friend has an Android, yes, you can still be friends you can use the same charging cable. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep, uh, definitely a California dream, that one. And uh, it does mean that uh, hopefully charging will become less hectic across the world for people. You'll find that there will be USB-C charging sockets in places that um, are just convenient. Yeah, um, and, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's going to go through that temporary phase of being very inconvenient if, you've, <laughs> if you're an all-Apple household yeah. and one of you upgrades first, uh, then you're now on a different, uh, different charging system to uh, the rest of the house. Um, so don't worry, you can get USB-C to lightning cables or USB-A to lightning cables. Yeah, it doesn't change the charger that you need. The bit that plugs into the wall socket is still exactly the same. It's just the cable that goes between that and the phone. Most of the this newer iPhone chargers anyway are USB-C connectivity. At the charger end. Yeah. At the charger end, because I think they saw that coming. <laughs> and uh, the new iPads and MacBooks are all USB-C for power already. So, yeah, it was only a matter of time before the flagship iPhones became USB-C. Now, the difference is across the iPhone 15 range, USB is not equal in all four of the phones in the series, which is a little bit naughty. Um, they have uh, they have decided to do USB-C 2 in the lower end phones in the range and only USB 3 in the top end models. Now, I've, I've seen a lot of people get very upset about this and I'm sort of going, when was the last time you actually did data transfer over the USB connector? <laughs> like for, now, for the majority of people, I will I will accept there are some people who do, and it's part of their daily workflow. But I reckon ninety, certainly ninety five percent, and maybe even ninety nine percent of mobile phone users only use the USB socket to charge. Charge their That's phones. all they now, do. I think that you might find that in the high end, uh, certainly the iPhone Pro and Pro Max that more creators of content are going to appreciate the high-speed USB-C yes. 3 data transfer. Because if you're shooting 4 or 8K video, not sure they do 8K yet, but certainly 4K is very much a thing that you can create proper cinematography-grade video on an iPhone. Uh, and the cameras are designed to actually shoot that quality. Getting that volume of data off the phone over something that can do 10 gigabit connectivity is certainly going to be appreciated by a lot of people and i mean sure, the, but the, I, the think, I think those people a, are yeah they're firmly at the at the high end of market this is not everyday users no no and the, the pro max does come with a one terabyte option as well for those creators who are really 
pumping out the the content, be it photos or video. So yeah. it's an interesting one. But yes, USB C across the range. Uh, the speed of USB C two is still pretty good at four hundred eighty megabits a second, faster than most people's broadband for upstream in you know, uploading your photos to the internet. Yeah, and and faster than most people's Wi-Fi as well. Um, yeah, even transferring between devices on the network. But like I say, I suspect for most people, they will upload their photos to iCloud or something like that and download them onto uh, whatever other devices they want it uh, want it on. So I I think it's it's slightly unfair criticism um, yeah. to say oh yeah. the the cheap model doesn't have USB three. Do you need it? Do you need the extra complexity? Or can you use, and remember, it's not just complexity and cost, it's also space and power. Do you <laughs> yes. need to put all of that in a budget end phone? Or actually, can you use the volume for a little bit more battery? I don't often hear I budget think I'd prefer and the battery. In the same sentence. Well, okay, anyway. relatively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, other new things that are appearing in the iPhone 15, which, by the way, if you order it today, it might only reach you sort of November time frame. It de depends on where you are sourcing from. There is a shortage already because demand has been high. Of course. Uh, if you got your order in as a pre-order a week ago, you're probably a couple of weeks out from getting your nice new shiny device. But anyway, uh, new camera optics. So they have now put in a better optical zoom. Uh, the the competitive, uh, competitive Samsung camp has had 10 times optical zooms in their top-end Galaxy phones for a while. Apple's had three times zoom and have now got a five times optical zoom in the iPhone 15 Pro Max. So, yeah a lot better for close-ups or, you know, those distant shots where you want a picture of a, an animal on safari that's trying to be half a mile away. Interesting. Uh, another neat thing they've, uh, they've added where uh, a lot of other manufacturers are taking away physical buttons, um, there is now the, uh, the action buttons. This is only in the Pro models. It's not in the, uh, the base model. Um, and it basically sits where the, the mute switch would have been. Um, interestingly, I've, I've just got a, a Pixel, Google Pixel phone, um, and I do miss coming from a OnePlus that had a physical uh, mute ring <laughs> or, uh, or vibrate switch. I do miss not having that uh, yeah. physical switch. Um, but the iPhone Pro, uh, 15 Pro, has the action button. You can basically choose what you want that to be. So if you want a mute button, you can have a mute button. Um, on the other hand, if you want something that turns your torch on or takes a photo, um, you can customise it to, to do yeah, all of those. With, whatever with it is you want to be able to do with one hand, maybe without unlocking your phone. Whether you're going to be able to do some smarter things like a set context for that is going to be yeah, interesting Or a double tap or something like that. Or, or, you know, at night I want that to be the torch button during the day, I want it to be the camera button. You know, those sort of rules would be nice to see. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, other new things on the camera front, though, is uh, the standard 15, uh, 15 and 15 Plus get new camera sensors. Obviously, so do the Pro and Pro Max, uh, up to a 48-megapixel sensor now, uh, swapping out from the 12-megapixel sensor, so better resolution photos than an iPhone 14. Um, and that extra amount of pixels in the sensor means that you can do a digital zoom effectively by just cropping mm. in. And they've, they've souped up the uh, photo gallery application so that when you zoom in uh, on your photo that you've taken, 
it will give you a crop button straight away, assuming that maybe that's nice. what you're going to crop to. So improving your workflow there. Of course, uh, new phones mean new processors, and the A17 being the latest Apple own silicon going into the device, which, of course, we're still waiting for benchmarks from uh, enough reviewers to compare it to the A16 and see what the the improvements. The the headline figures are saying 10% faster uh, CPU, 20% faster GPU, and possibly a bit of battery saving. And th- this sort of feels like it's it's an incremental on the C- on the processor side. It feels like this is an incremental improvement. Yeah, if you're going from a sixteen, uh, 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 an iPhone fourteen to a fifteen, you're probably not going to notice a massive difference in processor performance. Yeah. If you're going from a few generations back, maybe something like the eleven or twelve, then those compounded sort of ten percent, ten percent, ten percent, ten percent, that's going to be a much more visible difference. So, yeah, maybe if if you've got the previous gen, if you've got an iPhone 14, possibly don't rush out to join that uh, ever-growing yeah. queue. On yeah, the other if hand, if, it's only if a you're year on an old, 11. Stretch it if you can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the last thing probably on the, the optical side of things and what things look like, um, they have changed from having a notch for the cameras on the front to a cutout that sort of floats um, slightly it's away from island. the edge. We, we call it an island now, apparently. Yes, a dy- dynamic <laughs> island. Yes, it's exactly the same thing. It's just that it, there's a little bit of screen above it. Uh, of course, with the new iPhone, we also get a new iOS. That's the operating system. Uh, and that is now iOS 17, uh, a couple of versions ahead of the phone. Um, so that's, uh, that's starting to roll out now. Um, I'm just trying to look at how far back they go. iPhone uh, 11 and newer, uh, the iPhone SE, the second gen one of those, uh, the iPhone 12 mini, and some of the other sort of slightly non-ordered models, so the iPhone XR, XS, and XS Max. If you've got those or anything newer, then you're going to be able to get iPhone 17, uh, sorry, iOS 17, um, and yeah, the security updates that will come with that, but also some new features. Yeah, and of course the recommendation is always make sure you've got a good backup of all of your data, either in uh, your cloud backup or your local backup. Uh, Make sure that all your photos are backed up through whatever photo storage you prefer, be that Dropbox, Amazon Prime, because Amazon Prime give you free photo storage if you've got that, um, or just iCloud, and then do the update. You don't want to lose anything that's stored on your phone, obviously. Some of the new things that people might enjoy on iOS 17, live voicemail. So you'll see a transcription in real time as someone's leaving mm, voicemail. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, which could be quite cool. Uh, and a, a check-in facility to notify friends and family when you've arrived at a destination. Now, I really like this. I think this is a, a really neat safety feature. So you can yes. say... I'm going to uh, the Cambridge London. 105 Studios, oh, oh, and London, I'm, yeah. yeah, and I'm expecting to get there at about seven o'clock, and I can say that, and then if I've not, uh, first of all, if I do make it there, then it'll ping the contacts that I've uh, the, that I've set that for, so uh, maybe a partner or a parent or something like that, and say, yep, I've got there safely. Uh, but also, if you're not heading in the right direction after you've said, I'm heading to Cambridge 105 for 7pm, if I'm still wandering around somewhere else, not making any progress in that direction, it'll also 
share that information. So, yeah, just prompting, maybe, yeah, maybe just uh, check yeah. in with this person, make sure that they're okay, make sure they've, you know, they've not come across any uh, difficulties or what have you. Or maybe if you were taking public transport, then uh, it yeah, would I've got stuck. Enc- encourage the person that's waiting for you to, to look at trains and buses and go, oh, yes, there's a delay. Um, a few other things that are interesting from the Apple Camp that are new with the new phones is the AirPods Pro 2, which have got adaptive audio. Uh, so this is a, uh, a dynamic blend of transparency uh, of active noise cancellation together with the conditions of your environment. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, okay, so pa- pass through external noise together with a bit of noise cancellation with your mixed with your audio so that I guess you're safer on the road or street if you are walking or cycling and not just in your own little world and you do get a bit of consciousness of what's going on outside your your head? Of course, the second-gen uh, AirPods Pro um, also now come with USB-C charging. So <laughs> the, the case, that is. One thing I haven't managed to find out and confirm yet is whether Apple will support USB sh- um, power sharing between devices, uh, which so is something cha- that... Yeah, charging yeah. your AirPods from your phone. Or your watch from your phone or your uh, phone from your tablet yes i think you can the the macbooks definitely do do it if if i remember correctly so the the macbook can charge uh, and this was true even before the usb-c or even charge usb-c from your mate's phone so that you've got a bit of power to actually get going if you're if you're out of power so that's going to be an interesting if if you've got an iphone 15 on order then uh, do let us know whether uh, (laughs) whether you can uh, charge one phone from another um, handy in an emergency situation um, standby is another new feature coming in uh, or in iOS 17 um, and it basically it's it's designed to be glanceable information so that's stuff that uh, uh, if you if your phone's maybe sitting on the bedside table it's on charge um, some limited information will just stay on the uh, the phone screen even when you've not got it sort of properly turned on um, yeah, may, maybe some notifications or uh, what the weather's going to be or that sort of thing. This does um, feel a little just bit like catching up with Android. Yes, this is their, their <laughs> version of the always-on displays. Um, made possible, really, by by OLED screens. But it's, yes. it looks like Apple are only enabling this at this stage, at least, while the device is on charge. So nice for, for maybe when you've, uh, when you've gone to bed or uh, got it charging at uh, on your work desk um, but not going to be something that's sort of sitting there always on at, uh, uh, down the pub or something like that see how that yes. develops Yes. some other new features in 17 uh, automatically clean up all of those text verification codes that you get by text mm, nice so yeah just to Hang on, do we get life. text messages that aren't those codes anymore uh, I think those are about the only ones I get now. <laughs> the only other ones I get is, is various pizza companies going, it's, a, it's an offer day. It's always an I'll offer day. Some, I'll, uh, I'll have to get, get some of those. <laughs> um, and then uh, a better offline support for Apple Maps, um, which I think a lot of the Apple Maps fans are saying it's about time. Yes. Um, now can we have the uh, cycling directions, please? <laughs> yes, Cambridge is seriously lacking that Apple research. We know you're based in Cambridge little bit of a put a word in, please, on, on the Apple Maps team. Uh, other yep. things in the music side of your phone, uh, crossfade finally being a thing um, ah, nice. on, on music. so you can And you can select between 1 and 12 seconds to crossfade to make it more like listening to Cambridge 105 when we're doing a double play. 
Excellent. Uh, moving on now from uh, from Apple to Microsoft. Um, this was an interesting one. Uh, Microsoft, this has just, just been reported or just been disclosed. Um, Microsoft accidentally leaked a whole load, so about 30,000 uh, internal employee messages and passwords and Teams meetings and things like that. Um, when they uh, when they accidentally shared a an access key to it um, in one of their public uh, AI training repositories, um, so this first of all, if you're a Microsoft customer, don't worry, this doesn't affect any customer yeah. data. You no, don't no. need to worry about it. Um, yes. It affected about 370 Microsoft employees, um, and effectively, they were using this data set as a way of training one of their AI platforms. Uh, that platform is developed in an open source way. That means that anyone can see the source code. Um, and into that repository of source code, they checked um, the access the key that keys, gave, yes. yeah, <laughs> that gave access to one of these uh, data repositories. Um, it was eventually spotted by uh, an external uh, security firm, uh, Wiz, and they realized what was going on and, uh, and notified Microsoft. They took that uh, access key down a couple of days later. But it does look like um, the uh, the data may have been online for two years before it was spotted, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit uh, a yeah, little bit concerning so, for those saying involved. That, you know, I mean, it might have been exposed since twenty twenty, but it was thirty eight terabytes of data. I think you probably find just the sheer volume of that means it's unlikely to have all been taken at any time. I and think that's, then, yeah. Also, I think that size blob you'd you'd be able to see that size blob moving around if it uh, if it was stolen. Hopefully so, but it, it's um, it's interesting that this sort of thing is still happening. And one of the the very common themes we see in data breaches is companies uh, leaving backups of their data or yeah. databases of their their data available not adequately secured on the internet um, in exactly this sort of way. And Microsoft normally pretty tight on security, so uh, very interesting to see uh, see that happen. I, I guess this really is is one of the the risks of moving uh, a very fast moving uh, area of technology at the moment. So uh, no doubt they've got some uh, some clean up to be doing if they haven't uh, haven't already finished. I think the fact that this has actually been released as a press release means they've uh, cleaned up at least all of the uh, the worst of it is handled. Yes, yes. Um, moving on to social media and uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter has another competitor. Uh, which started out life called T2 Social, I think Twitter yep. too, um, started by ex-Twitter employees. Um, they've decided on an actual name now, um, and they're going to call themselves Pebble. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you can probably sense my level of enthusiasm about this. Yes, their, their reasoning for the name was a... a uh, a tiny stone can cause ripples across a whole pond, just like sharing your stories and insights can create waves in the community. Yeah. It sounds a bit new age. <laughs> anyway. It, 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 and I guess that they have at least, they've got something, and I, I say this not being particularly keen on it, but I, I can imagine there will be people who are. They do at least, to their credit, have something that makes them different. Yes. <laughs> which is that they embed generative AI. So this is the sort of thing where you can say, give me a photo of a pebble uh, taken as if it's, at, um, yeah, the camera's at the shoreline. Um, and it'll give you a, a photo that looks like that. Yeah, not, not a real photo, but one that's been uh, constructed by an AI. Um, and it builds that into 
the the composition process. So the idea is that as you're as you're deciding what to what what, what would be the the equivalent of tweet for a pebble um, through your pebble. Um, there, then it gives you inspiration. Drop, drop, it, maybe? drop, drop your, your pebble, drop your yeah, pedal. Yeah. yeah, skim, skim the pebble. Um, it, it gives you inspiration and it gives you AI generated content to go along with your post. So it is clearly jumping in on that that AI and hype I, cycle. I, I think that what they're also aiming for is that it will help you generate replies. So if you if you go, well, I want a way to say something nice in response to Rob's yeah. tweet about pebble. The AI embedded can go. And and come up with something nice, uh, nicer than most people might post. So maybe it'll make, well, they're hoping uh, a kinder, safer, and more enjoyable environment. Yeah, and I, like I say, I, I'll give them credit for at least doing something different. It's yes. not just, um, yeah. If you look at the the likes of Blue Sky in particular, come on, it's just it's just Twitter. <laughs> it's just Twitter with a different name. It is. It is very um, much just Twitter. And, and I, you know, given that all of these social media networks live or die by their their communities of people, if you have too many of them, then then none of them gain traction, or, or very few of them do. At least people are are trying to stand out a little bit. Um, I I don't think it's something I'm going to be running to sign up for. Um, but if generative AI is your thing, um, then maybe there's some cool stuff to uh, to look at there. Yeah, could be interesting, could be interesting. And moving on to our last bit of news, and the UK public service broadcasters are coming together to deliver a new streaming service, uh, which will cover content from the BBC, ITV and Channel 4 and Channel 5 into one single app for smart TVs, smart set-top boxes, and probably delivered on your favourite PC, uh, tablet, uh, smartphone and other mobile device. It's going to be now. This is this Freebie. is now. This is primarily for the TV side of the platform, isn't it? Yes. Because of course there was Radio Player, uh, which we use here at Cambridge One Hundred and Five Radio, um, and that was originally set up as the the equivalent thing for radio. Um, yep. And then BBC certainly uh, sort of went, ah, actually, you know what, we're going to focus on BBC Sounds um, and sort of wandered away from, from Radio Player. There's still a whole load of other great content, uh, including this show, available on Radio Player. Uh, but several of the bigger broadcasters went and did their own thing. It's interesting they're now coming back together. <laughs> I think uh, there, there was the just TV too side. much fragmentation and I guess the challenge has been a smart TV comes out and the BBC have to update an iPlayer, mm. Channel 4 have to update all four, ITV have to update ITV Hub, Channel 5 have to update whatever they call theirs. I don't, I can't even remember what theirs is called. Um, but also, you're missing out on other channels that might be on Freeview and Freesat, like Dave. They're just not on any of those streaming things. So this is an idea to bring everything that's on Freeview and probably Freesat into a an IP-delivered broadband connected delivery model so it'll be yep. live streaming tv as well as some idea on catch-up whether you'll be able to do things like say to it uh record me like i would with a free yes. view recording box record me this episode or just you know make them available for me to watch as a, a binge or not i don't know yeah I, I think it'll be interesting to uh to see how it develops and like i say where, whether the the big broadcasters do stick with it. Um, I guess the my 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 glimmer of hope here is that maybe this will mean that smart TVs that you buy today with this 
will actually still continue to have that smart functionality in five, ten years' time. Um, yeah, if there is one app that delivers all of this, maybe they're going to maintain that for longer than certainly I don't have a smart TV, but my, my Blu-ray player has or had things like uh, <laughs> BBC iPlayer and YouTube. Yeah. All of that has stopped working. The Blu-ray player, still absolutely fine. The hardware, yeah. perfect. For, uh, but many of the smart features have, have stopped working. So yeah, hopefully... Fortunately- Devices from the likes of Google and Amazon and Roku can plug in as a an HDMI stick and yes. give you the smart functionality in a TV that has lost those updates. So you don't have to throw away a perfectly good panel. Uh, yeah, Thirty to forty quid can upgrade have, it have to, to something that's modern and smart again. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, well, that's what's happening in uh, the world of public service broadcasting. Next up, we're going to be talking about the latest from IFA Berlin. Cambridge 105 Radio. Tuesday nights on Cambridge 105 Radio, Gary Blue plays blues the old-fashioned way, remembering the history of the music and its fascinating stories. Furry Lewis was born in 1893, and apparently he gained the nickname Furry because as a child he refused to get his hair cut. The Blue Show with Gary Blue, Tuesday at 11pm on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. You're an experienced childcare worker. Or someone who has a passion for working with young people. Progress or develop your career with Hertfordshire County Council Children's Services. Be part of a supportive team with great progression opportunities. And competitive pay. It's about being the best we can be. For children and young people. Join Hertfordshire, the county of opportunity. Now hiring care workers and senior care workers. Text 60777 to get started. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. You're listening to The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio and it's time to head over to IFA. Uh, It's over in Berlin and, uh, well all the new sort of broadcast and media and various other bits of technology. But how, how does it all start? Yeah, so uh, if uh, or the Internationale Funk are still in Berlin, the International yeah, Radio you Exhibition saying that Berlin, now, don't you? <laughs> is one of the oldest industrial exhibitions in Germany and uh, started between 1924 and 1939. So it's, it's coming up for 100 years old next year. Um, I'm sure there'll be celebrating that in a big way. Uh, it was an annual event until the 50s, when it then switched to biannually until 2005, went back to being annual again, always in September. Obviously, there was a couple of pandemic years that uh, it sort of went semi-online for a bit. Uh, but it is today one of the world's leading trade shows for consumer electronics and home appliances. And it's been the place that a lot of manufacturers have launched their new shiny, shiny toys for example, mm. back in 1930, Albert Einstein opened the seventh show. And <laughs> yeah, quite cool. And a prototype television receiver was shown. And that was a year before they became something you could actually buy in, in wow. Europe. Yeah, uh, radio, five, of course, very much the thing back in uh, yeah. back in those days. Five years later, 1935, AEG showed the first practical audio tape recorders. So this, of course, being open real tape, um, but somewhere you could record those radio shows that you were listening to. Uh, yes, not a, not necessarily a brand name that you'd associate with uh, audio equipment nowadays. Probably more the uh, the sort of kitchen goods uh, market. But yeah, AEG very much uh, involved in those days. 
1963, Philip showed off the first compact audio cassettes and the first cassette recorder. Yes, cassette recorders are 60 years old. Gosh. Um, but not, not to be outdone <laughs> on the video side, uh, video text or teletext as, uh, as we knew it, maybe CFAX if you remember that. Yeah. Um, that, was, uh, that was introduced in 1977 at TIFA. Uh, 1983, and Telefunken showed off VHS-C camcorders. They had built a VHS, VHS tape uh, into a smaller, more compact format, VHS Compact, which reduced the size of a camcorder to just over a kilo. The, Previously, the thing that they I loved been a about, lot heavier. Yeah, the, the thing I loved about uh, VHS-C was you could then get an adapter cassette. So if you had a normal VHS player, um, you could get a little adapter that you could put the VHS-C tape in and it turned it into a full-size VHS cassette. Obviously, uh, uh, less runtime they tended to be, I think, an hour long. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it means you could take footage on your compact camcorder and then play it back straight into uh, into your TV. Or, or of course, off your off your TV, yeah. uh, off your VHS into another VHS. Um, 1985, Casio showed off pocket televisions. Wow, that'll never catch up. One of them was actually colour as well. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and a few years later, in 1989, Philips launched widescreen television, uh, basically claiming that, you know, the cinema wanted to come home and showing everyone 16 to 9 TV screens, which, of course, is what we see today as our standard for televisions. Yep. Uh, Ninety-three, Nokia launched the uh, the Nokia ten eleven, um, yeah, followed never by the twenty one ten. Never had a ten eleven. I had a twenty one ten. That was my first. Oh, did I have? No, I might have had a ten eleven. Thinking oh, about it, I uh, might have had a ten eleven. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, from you know this uh, this millennium onwards, TVs kept on getting thinner. We went first of all to uh, uh, the likes of plasma, and then LCD, and now LED TVs. So, coming right up to date, twenty twenty three. What are some of the highlights? And we'll start off in the world of sound. Yes, yeah, sound and sound mixed with vision, and this is Dolby who are known, of course, for sound, but doing a lot of work on making video and images a lot better on your home cinema setup or just your TV. You know, you'll see Dolby certification on modern TVs, modern audio-visual equipment for purchase at home. And that same technology that makes you experience in a cinema is trying to make it better at home. The new stuff is Dolby Atmos Flex Connect, which will allow a... Uh, a TV to connect wirelessly with compatible external speakers. More importantly, you'll be able to put these speakers anywhere in your room and, and the Atmos system out. will sort it out and make sure that the sound comes from the right places. You don't have to do that, put your uh, speakers in a square configuration, you know, your rear ones are equidistant behind you and those sort of things to, to get that home cinema uh, type feeling at home so this is going to help with smaller rooms odd shaped rooms or just you know you don't want to put speakers in strange places right behind your couch and of course this is something that has become more of a challenge as TVs have got thinner yeah back when you had the the old uh, CRT TVs there was plenty of space for speakers you could you could put sort of decent full range speakers in the case it wouldn't really change the dimensions as the TVs got thinner, so did the speakers. That meant getting decent sound became more and more of a challenge. At the same time, though, many of us got lots of portable speakers and you know, used them for, for listening to music when the TV isn't on. So now being able to, to combine those two things together, 
without some of the challenges we've had in the past with maybe the sound getting a bit delayed um, because yeah generally wireless wireless audio transmission does introduce a little bit of delay um, but with some sensible uh, technology you can just say okay that's cool delay the vision to match so as yeah. long as the two know about each other and that's something that uh, flex connect tries to do then everything can can stay in sync can stay in the right places and you can put the speakers wherever you want without having to worry about oh i've got to run a cable to there or i've got to yeah. run you know speaker power and uh, speaker cables as well as mains power um so hopefully now we can uh, we can get decent sound without having to invest in a dedicated uh, TV sound system or sound bar. So yes, hopefully more TV manufacturers. Right now, TCL, uh, who are a fairly new player to the TV market, certainly in the UK, even though they've been making t- TVs for a long while, um, are the first ones out the at the gate with a TV that can support the Dolby Atmos flex connect um so we'll hopefully see that standard coming to more tvs and more speaker manufacturers so that you'll basically be able to buy them put them down in your room hit the calibrate button and everything sorts nice. itself out that will uh, that will definitely be a welcome uh, welcome improvement um other bits that were were floating around sometimes literally uh robot vacuum cleaners and robo mops this is an interesting one. So this this is presumably the equivalent of a, a robotic vacuum cleaner just for hard floors and kitchen floors and that sort of thing. Yes, yes. And one of the problems that has been with first-generation robo-mops has been, what do you do with the dirt? Yep. <laughs> um, so filling up your robot's tank with water so it can go and clean and then having to empty the sludge has never been pleasant. So... Uh, the first upgrade was docks that the robo mop would go and dock and it would go and purge its water out into a, a waste tank and draw fresh water in and great but the mop itself stayed a bit manky so then they came up with drying techniques and uv sterilization to make sure that mm. anything on the mop is cleaned off and things don't smell uh we've seen this year manufacturers coming up with ideas and these are still concept ideas at the moment of a tank that can basically be somewhere like in the kitchen where it's got access to a drain into water and you plumb it in yeah the thing can go and literally pour the water down the drain and take fresh water in they're talking about interesting things that they can do with their robot as well in that if they have a humidifier or a dehumidifier two separate products that it will be able to take water to and from those devices as well. Ah, nice. So you, rather than having to plug everything into the the mains water and mains drainage, actually your your robot can can go and sort of attend to your other home uh, home care devices. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. While, stuff. while it's doing its rounds. Interesting stuff. So yes, robots and robot vacuums certainly becoming a lot more common, and a lot of manufacturers getting in on that game. Speaking of gaming. Uh, gaming was certainly focusing on portable devices. Quite a lot of manufacturers showing handheld gaming devices. That market becoming quite a uh, hotbed of development. And screens getting bigger, but devices staying quite lightweight. And mm. then, of course, a focus on uh, you know everyone's favourite, uh, virtual reality. And, of and course, what- this is sort of the opposite of the screens be- getting bigger. It's like instead of building a huge, great monitor you put some small monitors but you put them right in front of somebody's eyes and yes. you can have a virtually large monitor or even just a, an immersive world um this this is the technology it seems to have been a long time coming and maybe it's finally getting there 
yeah, we, we've had we've we've had VR now in its latest incarnation for a, a few years, I guess, sort of five five to eight years, probably in in the yep. uh, uh, in the kind of the mainstream, and it's always been nearly there. And I wonder if we're finally getting to the point where actually, you know what, this is plausible. This is plausible that many people will go and buy this thing. Still yes. quite expensive at the moment, but but definitely getting there. One interesting thing a French company called Actronica showed off was an, immerse, an immersive haptic feedback vest. So, so this haptic feedback you... is where it it gives you feeling of, yep. of sort of actual sensation, so vi- you, vibration and movement and that sort of thing. You can feel the impact of virtual bullets and lasers against your body and the rumble oh, of explosions and fireballs. Uh, they are currently in... Uh, very early stages at the moment, but looking like they will be shipping something in at around uh, 680-odd pounds. Interestingly, they're not first to market with this, a uh, product that was a Kickstarter that actually commercialised called Wooja, uh, W-O-O-J-E-R, um, have got a, a, a vest available which synchronises over Bluetooth and wired connections to give you the feeling of the sound. Uh, in your VR, your mm, movies, and your gaming, and it's shipping in at five hundred sixteen pounds and is available to buy today. So you know that technology is already out there. It's just getting more interesting and more developed. And of course, a little bit of a side advantage of things like haptic feedback is that it can make it more immersive without you having to turn the volume up lots. Because no, it's, it's friendlier for the neighbours. <laughs> And friendly for the neighbours and for your hearing as well, because you know it's it's very easy to sort of say, oh yeah, I really want the bass, I want the sensation, and just crank up the headphone volume, crank up the bass. Of course, that doesn't do your hearing a lot of good. So I think moving that sensation onto your body is uh, is probably good for uh, for everyone involved. Um, after a quick break, we'll take a look at some of the award winners from IFA and other best of 2023 products. Cambridge 105 Radio, where you're listening to The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence. And we're talking about the latest announcements at IFA Berlin, the uh, broadcast and media show. Uh, so what were some of the best uh, announcements, best products? So- so there was a lot of stuff, a lot mm. of stuff, and I think we might have to continue next time with a few more of the things. But obviously, uh, there were uh, award winners for various show categories. So uh, each year, they are always going to be, you know, the best new mobile device, the best new computer, and so on. So uh, running through some of the the ones that were more notable. Uh, first of all. Um, Honor Magic V2, the new folding phone from Honor, a lesser-known mobile phone brand in the UK. Yeah. Uh, but they're showing off a phone that is only a millimeter thicker than Samsung's S23 Ultra, is lighter, but is still a folding phone. So you've got that double the screen capacity size. Yes, and and folding phones do do seem to be a a, a sort of upcoming trend. I I've always been skeptical of them in the past, not least because we've had a lot of uh, historically a lot of uh, reliability issues with them. Um, you know, just not either either flat out breaking very quickly or yeah. or not keeping the screen quality for uh, for long. But maybe the technology does seem to be uh, getting there now, so maybe they are going to become more mainstream. Um, and certainly, I think people appreciating the uh, the extra screen state. 
it means you effectively get a tablet and a phone uh, in the size of a phone rather than having to potentially carry two devices for, for consuming some more multimedia content. Yeah, and I think the put-off has been up until this point that it's been like sandwiching two phones together, so it's been chunky. Yeah. Chunky and, if and expensive. If they've got that thinness sorted, I think that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, um, I'm just uh, just looking for the uh, the price on the uh, the Honor Magic V2 at the moment. I've not uh, not found that one yet. Um, interestingly, it's it is rated. They actually claim a number four hundred thousand folds. Um, so what does that work out as uh, if you uh, if you keep it for three years? By the way, then that is forty forty folds per day. That's, that seems reasonable. About a thousand pounds, just under. Okay, so it is at the high end of things, but not way ahead of uh, the competition. Yeah, so yes, Start, as long starting as you at 9,000 yuan. As long as you don't take your phone out of your pocket more than every half an hour, um, then you're probably good for at least a, a three-year life. Uh, moving on to, uh, to music and the Urbanista Malibu solar Bluetooth speaker. Um, this Very looks a little bit like yes. a uh, an Amazon Echo Dot, but um, it's, it's focusing on the music side of things, and particularly if it's something you might want to take out in the garden. And uh, interestingly, it might have a solar panel on top, but it doesn't look like a solar panel. No, you know, it doesn't. We're, we're used to solar panels looking like a particular style of grid uh, where you're seeing the, the silicon matrix uh, hiding underneath a lot of lines. Nope, it just looks like a, a nice grey panel that they've actually hidden the solar underneath. And they're saying that that's going to add up to 50% playtime to the nice. runtime. So 20 hours of playback in regular mode, 40 hours in low low power mode, so lower volume level. And then if you have it out in the sun, you should be able to get about 50% more time out of a charge if you could be a good uh, good little camping gadget if you want a bit of music on uh, on the move uh, and talking of camping gadgets another one is the jackery 300 plus uh, so this is one of their portable power stations we've talked about those in previous episodes of uh, of the gadget guide um this is one of the smaller offerings isn't it Yes, and this competes with the likes of the River 2 from EcoFlow. Uh, Bluetti have got a couple of small ones in their range as well, but this is designed as something that is, is really that small box that you're going to take with you where you want, uh, you know, not not a uh, an air, air fryer powering gadget. <laughs> you want something that's going to charge up all your mobile devices, Can't possibly light up your tent, um, and you know, give you give you that little bit of power that you want uh, for the creature comforts while away from uh, the grid. Interesting. Um, if you're lo looking for some headphones that aren't AirPods, um, then the Jabra Elite 10 is the latest in their lineup of uh, premium earbuds. Um, and they they are going for the quality end of things. And Jabra are very well known for uh, for their speakers and headphones and uh, headsets uh, across the uh, across the market. Um, look sort of similar to uh, to AirPods, perhaps a little less refined, but uh, a bit chunkier. And that is going to uh, to really improve, particularly the low frequency response. Um, but they've they've also got uh, Dolby 3D compatibility, which is interesting. Yes, and of so, course Jabra owned by GN Group, who make a lot of hearing aids. So mm, that technology is something that they are very much familiar with. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about 27 hours of battery life as well, which is quite wow. impressive in earbuds. So. Yeah. As I said, I think we'll have to uh, revisit some of the best of IFA next time, uh, including a couple of interesting things like a split unit portable air conditioners. 
Ah, yes, just as the uh, the weather turns into uh, turns into the autumn. But it's okay; they can mostly heat as well as cool. Uh, that's all we've got time for on today's gadget guide. Uh, Les Ray will be up after uh, the news at seven pm with Strummers and Dreamers. Revelation time at nine, and then Kip the Cat rounds out the evening here on Cambridge One Hundred Five Radio. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge One Hundred Five Radio. With the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more.